Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 3, 1 through 14, called Seeking Things Above. Have you ever heard of somebody describe a person as somebody like this? If he or she sets their mind to something, they can do anything. Are you one of those people? You have some friends, if they say they're going on a diet, they do it, right? And you say to them, man, come on, just have one cookie. <laughs> you ever been? <laughs> You're like a total stumbling block to them, right? Just have a cookie. You can't be all or nothing kind of person. Have a cookie. Have some balance in your life. Nope. And then I say, okay, I'll have yours if you're not going to have it all. <laughs> we get distracted by worry, the cares of this world, and they often choke our focus. And we have to cry out to God, oh, Lord, help me. I'm, I can be anxious. I know the Bible says to be anxious for nothing, but sometimes I'm anxious for everything. And so we need all the help we can get. Verse 3 says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The word hidden is krupto in Greek, and it means to conceal, to hide, to be hidden. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are in Christ, and he's got you covered. Praise God. You don't have to worry. He's got you in his capable hand. And this idea of your life is hidden with Christ and God has the idea of some of the Psalms where it says, you are my hiding place, you are my shelter. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Hide me so that you are my refuge and strength. And, and those are the realities that we have in God. But the idea of hidden also means that the reality is often hidden to those around us. If I looked at a room of 500 people and I said, could I point out which ones are Christians just by looking at people? I can't always tell who's a Christian. Now, sometimes I have an idea when I meet somebody. You ever meet somebody and you go, are you a Christian? And they're like, oh, yeah. And you could just tell. But if you were to look at a room of hundreds of people, you can't. And I, some of you have halos, I know. Some of you are the exception. Oh, angels just sing over you. We, we know that. You guys will just put aside for a second. <laughs> but... Sometimes the reality of who we are is actually hidden from others. When will that be manifest? When will who we are truly be known? Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Right now we're in a battle. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet appeared, not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. But right now, it's hidden. In what sense? We have, in theology, what's called an already, not yet. We are right with God. We have experienced a spiritual resurrection, but there's a not yet uh, feature to our salvation in that. I'm a Christian, but I haven't experienced all the fullness of my salvation. In that, I don't have a resurrection body yet. I haven't seen the Lord face to face yet. 
I am already a Christian, but there's a lot of things that are not yet. So I'm waiting for those things. And some of them are tied to the second coming. Some of them are tied to my own uh, time when I will leave this planet and be with the Lord. Therefore, in light of this, verse 5, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to five things in verse 5. All of them, I think most scholars agree, have to do with sexual sin. Verse 5 says, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. If you have the NIV, it's, or the New King James, it says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature or whatever belongs to the members which are on the earth. And they are immorality. The Greek word here is pornea. Impurity. This is a word that speaks of moral filthiness. Passion, which could be positive or negative, but here it has the negative connotation. Evil desire and greed. Greed is often thought of just in the sense of money, but it can be greed for more and more and more experiences, and it could speak of sexual sin as well. In the ancient world, when pagans became Christians, their whole lives and even their religious system was tied to sexual immorality. And so what they did in the pagan temples and what they felt was acceptable, in fact, uh, because it was so much of their religious ceremony, sexual sin was not even seen the way it is today. And so they had, a, they had to break a lot of the thought patterns and a lot of the chains that were on them coming out of paganism. Because oftentimes you could, just to be blunt, you could go up to the temple and be with a temple prostitute and it was part of a religious ceremony. And so now you become a Christian and you start hearing about this idea of pornea. You, you start hearing that, you know, the Bible actually teaches that any relationship in that sense... Um, Outside of marriage is sin. And so if I were to ask you right now, how do you think our culture is doing with that area of life? Uh, Not so good. And then if I were to ask you, how do you think the church is doing in that area? And I think if you were sitting at my desk week in and week out, I could tell you it's not always very positive. There's a lot of struggles that are going on with individuals I heard recently, it's not a matter of if kids see this stuff, but when. Because of the advent of the internet and social media and all that's going on there, we have a battle, folks. And we're in it. And it's our kids, too. It's a battle. And Paul says, look, you've got to consider yourself dead to these things. You have to make a decision. This goes with your mindset. This goes with seeking things above. If you're going to seek things above, then you're going to put aside the things of the planet, the things of the earth, more specifically, the things of the world system. That's not your values anymore. But look, it's a struggle for Christians, and that's why we're talking about how do you live the high life? How do you keep going? I heard a teacher recently say that he heard of a practice in the Middle Ages. He wasn't sure if it was true or not, but there's at least a rumor about it that people in the Middle Ages would become Christians, they would get baptized, and then they would kill them. (laughs) How's that sound? Anybody want to join that church? And they said that the rumor around that practice was that once a person got saved, they were taking quite literally put to death the members of your body. (laughs) Because they were the essence of the thinking was you got saved, And now you're not going to have to struggle with anything more. You just get saved, you die, you go to be with the Lord, and that's it. (laughs) I'm not sure any of us are signing up for that church. Uh, 
But this is how some people took it. And so the average American lives in, R. Kent Hughes says, in a sea of sensuality. Um, all you have to do is turn on some primetime television or you know, news and you, you see what's going on. And I'm going to try to be careful because I know we have little ones in the room. And so uh, MacArthur says these words, A common sight in European cities during the Middle Ages was a group known as the Flagellants. Marching through the streets in solemn processions, they scourged themselves in penance for their sins. Uh, These are misinterpretations of the past. He said, this is MacArthur talking, he said, I once met a man who wore a belt studded with nails that constantly tore into his flesh. He felt that by doing so, he was killing the flesh as well as suffering to atone for his sins. Can you imagine that? They all wear a belt with nails in it. So every now and then, just when I turn, what's going on? Did your back hurt? No, I got a nail-studded belt on. What? No, this, this is a spiritual battle, but of course it has practical realities. What you seek, frankly, just to be blunt, is up to you. Would you agree? What you focus on is up to you. If you want to sit in front of your computer for seven hours or watch TV, as Pastor Brian said, I guess the latest thing is binge-watching series on Netflix. If you want to do that, uh, people look at you. (laughs) You can do that. You can choose to focus on what you want to focus. But these things, you know, if our focus is wrong, these things get inflamed. And I'm not going to go into the detail of what's happening in America right now with this issue, but I'll just tell you, I think we all know what's going on, right? And something has to change. Verse 6, for on account of these things, the wrath of God will come. There's a variant reading here, New King James, it's a different manuscript family, says, is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Here's what we know. Reason number one, we should avoid these things in verse 5, the five things in verse 5, is on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. People say, oh, here we go. Here they they go, those Christians talking about the wrath of God, the wrath of God. What's that about? Well, the wrath of God is actually tied to the holiness of God. And I'll say this to you. God has been extremely patient with the human race. Would you agree? He's been very patient with us. But he has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. And in 2 Peter, Peter says, Oh, in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, and they will say, Where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things remain the same. Ah, My grandma was talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where is he? Oh, he's coming to a neighborhood near you. (laughs) Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And as I've said in the past, there's going to be two responses to the coming of Jesus. One is going to be, oh, yeah. And another one's going to be, oh, no. How's that for high theology? (laughs) Which camp are you in? The oh, yeah, or the oh, no's? (laughs) You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, I'm Rob, Program Director for Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and I'd like to remind you that this is a listener-supported ministry. Now, if you're a first-time listener, please bear with me. We'll get back to Pastor Michael Lance's message in just a moment. But if you've been listening for a long time, and this ministry has helped you in your walk with the Lord, help equip you to apply God's Word to today's issues, trends, and culture, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner, thinking about the end of the year, the end of the year giving, Sometimes people like to give donations to nonprofit organizations who give food or churches who are doing something for the community. It's the same way for this ministry. If it has blessed you, please consider helping us stay on this radio station or stay on your phone as a podcast. We're just asking for the amount of the price of a cup of coffee or maybe a little bit more expensive cup of coffee. We're hoping that you can consider becoming a monthly partner of $5 or $10 a month. If you can do that, if you can commit to helping us with that and helping this ministry grow, we'd love to be on more radio stations. Please visit walkintruth.com today and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. But he has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. And in 2 Peter, Peter says, Oh, in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, and they will say, Where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things remain the same. Ah, my grandma was talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where is he? Oh, he's coming to a neighborhood near you. <laughs> Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And as I've said in the past, there's going to be two responses to the coming of Jesus. One is going to be, oh, yeah. And another one's going to be, oh, no. How's that for high theology? (laughs) Which camp are you in? The oh, yeah, or the oh, no's? Verse 7. Now, before I go to verse 7, just I want to remind you, you are not appointed unto wrath, but for salvation through Jesus Christ. You can write down 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, where it says, God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. But he wants us to live as people who are anticipating his coming. And in them, verse 7, reason number two, we shouldn't do these five things in verse 5, is that you once walked this way, when you were living in them. That's how you used to live. Christian uh, says, C.H. Spurgeon, what has thou to do with sin? Hath it not cost thee enough already? Burnt child, will thou play with fire? What? When thou has already been between the jaws of the lion, will thou step a second time into his den? Hast thou not had enough of the old serpent? Did he not poison all thy veins once? And will thou play upon the hole of the asp and put thy hand upon the cockatrice's den, old language, a second time? Oh, be not so mad, so foolish. Did sin ever yield thee real pleasure? Didst thou find solid satisfaction in it? If so, go back to thine old drudgery. 
and wear the chain again, if it delight thee. But inasmuch as sin did never give thee what it promised to bestow, but deluded thee with lies, be not a second time snared by the old fowler, be free. And let the remembrance of the ancient bondage forbid thee to enter the net again. Close quote. That's good, isn't it? But it's hard sometimes in moments when we're facing temptation and have you ever had one of those moments where, as a Christian, life gets a little hard, sledding gets a little tough, and you go, I remember the good old days. <laughs> when, when what? What did that really yield you? Think about it. For me, aching emptiness, guilt. Oh, yeah, there were moments of pleasure. Sin is fun for a season, let's be honest. But in the end, it leads to what? To death. And it doesn't really produce anything that's positive. But now, here's what you have to do. You have to put them all aside, verse 8. And here's a second list of five things. These have to do more with personal relationships. You have to put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech, which literally means shameful words, obscene, foul speech intended to hurt and wound somebody from your mouth. Put these all aside. Uh, Just throw them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. This is the idea of taking off old clothing, which has been soiled. If you played in a mud football game and you came home, you would want to get rid of those clothes and either wash them or burn them, right? Depending on if you could get them clean. That's the idea. Anger. There's a lot of people with an anger problem is deep, smoldering, resentful bitterness. What does that produce for you? Oh, nothing. Nothing good. The second word there is wrath. Wrath is passion. It's illustrated. It's the Greek word thumos. It's illustrated in breathing hard. (laughs) Anybody ever do that on the freeway? (laughs) Can I get a witness? I do that after every golf shot I take. (laughs) Want to choke the golf club. Some years ago, we owned a condo in Anaheim Hills, and we we moved to Corona. It was back in the mid-'90s. And the, the market wasn't good. The housing market wasn't good. So we tried to rent the condo, but we owed too much on it, so we needed too much rent. So other than, like, one renter, we had a whole litany of... Uh, not-so-good renters. And this one guy stayed in the house, kept making excuses, and ended up owing me you know, fifteen dollars to $20,000. When it was all said and done, I had to get a marshal to go to the house. And finally, got him out of the house after like a year of going back and forth. And so I was playing racquetball with my racquetball buddies, a lot of them non-Christians. And I said, I told him the story. I said, this guy played games with me. He lied to me. He owes me thousands of dollars. He stiffed me. I'm probably never going to see that money And one of the racquetball players looked at me, and I had been witnessing to him, and he said, just say the word and we'll take care of it. (laughs) And I went, hmm. (laughs) Just prior to that, you know, when somebody's doing this kind of stuff to you, lying about you, manipulating you, taking food off of your table, I, I remember I was driving down the street, imagining this man's face and choking my steering wheel. Confessions of a pastor in Southern California in the city of Corona. 
happens to pastors? Praise the Lord. Yeah, it does. Squeezing the steering wheel. I put those little divots in it. And so when they said that, just say the word and we'll take care of it. I went, hmm. <laughs> just for a moment, though, I want you guys to know. It was a brief period of time. I... And I said, well, that sounds intriguing, but I don't think that'd be very good for my pastoral career <laughs> if uh, eventually it comes out in the newspaper that I sent uh, a squad in black suits to this guy's door and it didn't go so well for him, even though I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> Maybe we'll send him cookies instead. I don't know. Frederick Buechner says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that when you are, what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you, close quote. You've been listening to Seeking Things Above, part two on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 3, 1 through 14. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's a great way to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend that you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, maybe you're in this spot. You have recently become a Christian, and it feels like your friends are pulling away from you. You know, maybe as you seek things above, they're like, man, we don't have a connection anymore, bro, sis, you know, we're... We're seeing things different, and, and that's unavoidable. You are going to see things different than your unbelieving friends, but it doesn't mean that you can't still have a relationship with them and love them and witness to them. But if those friendships are pulling you back into the world, and I think you know what that means, into bad old habits, then you got to make some decisions. And you know what? What I found over the years is those things tend to take care of themselves because you find new relationships where you have things in common and you're trying to obviously reach your friends, but things will change as you become a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, you don't love them or that you're phony or something like that, or you've become holy Joe. It just simply means that you serve a different king in a different kingdom now. And there's going to be changes in your life. It's just going to happen. So make sure you're plugged into a good, healthy church. You're in a Bible study during the week. And you're going to find some very beautiful, vital relationships in the body of Christ. But um, that is that is the way things go. And if you're if you're going through that right now, uh, you're not alone. And let me just say, uh, I want to say a word about Thanksgiving coming up here. We have a season of hope, you know, a season of Thanksgiving. And as believers, that's what we want to really communicate to those around us: is that we're thankful people. We're thankful for our Savior. We're thankful for people in our lives, for all of our blessings. And if you're feeling a little bit lonely during the holiday season, maybe you're feeling a little isolated, uh, maybe you've lost a loved one and this is the first holiday where they're not going to be around the table. 
maybe uh, someone moved out of your area that's close to you. It's a tough one, and uh, my heart goes out to you, and I just want to take a moment to pray for our wonderful listening family. Father, thank you for every precious Christian who um, listens, and for those who don't know you yet, we're so grateful that they're hearing the truth of God's Word, and, and I pray that they would come to know you now, even at this moment as we pray. And if you're listening right now, keep your eyes open, but pray with me. If you haven't met Jesus Christ, you know, he is our hope. And he is literally a prayer away. Now, he wants you to follow him as your king. And uh, to make him Lord means you're making him your king and following his kingdom. And you might want to just pray, Lord, I repent of my sin and I I want you to be my king, my savior, my God, um, the one in whom I trust. I turn away from the false gods in my life and the sin in my life, and I trust in you and you alone for my salvation. Hey, if you're a prodigal, just say, Lord, I want to come back home and I'm sorry for what I've done. And if you're just, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're feeling just a bit lonely or isolated, I pray that the Lord would surround you with his peace and love and strength and lead you to a place where you can have uh, more fellowship with other believers. Hey, if we can help you in any way, reach out to us. You can send us an email prayer request at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But we'll continue on Seeking Things Above tomorrow, and we'll see you right here. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Colossians 3, 1 through 14, called Seeking Things Above. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.